Hey, hey, welcome to Web3 Weekly with your host, Blockstar Technology. Let's go. All right. Hi, everyone. Hi for the all the uh, social nations. How many nations have you got, Charlie? Uh, quite a few. About quite seven? Few seven? Six, What's seven? Total? Oh, my God. Like plus seven. Plus seven. Plus seven. <laughs> plus seven. So, um, <laughs> hi to everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, this is episode 46. Uh, we're going to talk a so- little bit um, technical. So, we're going to talk about uh, upgradable contracts. And today, we are joined by in-house, like resident smart contract expert, Dr. Mohammed. Thank you, Kozi. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Cool. Nice to meet you. Um, so, Mohammed, um, let's let's get going. So, I have uh, today. I've, I've been joined by Charlie, yeah, as well yeah. on the side. Before hey, I say, nice before to I... have you. Nice to have you on, mate. Nice to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think um, Nathan, can you make it a little bit louder? I think it's hard to. Uh, Mohammed, can you hear us now? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, that's better. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, Sounds yeah, good. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, uh, let's get going. So, Mohammed. So we're going to talk about these upgradable contracts, right? And let's start with what are they? What is upgradable contract? It's a smart contract. It's not a smart contract. What is it? Are smart contracts now all immutable and can't be changed? Yeah, exactly. Are they all immutable and can't be changed? Okay, let's start with some one place, which is what? <laughs> what are upgradable uh, contracts? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good starting point. But before going through upgradable contracts, let, let's uh, maybe talk about upgradability itself, whether we need it for the smart contracts, because as Charlie mentioned, everyone knows that smart contracts are getting popular because they are executing on a blockchain. And blockchain is popular because it's one of the reasons is that it's immutable. So it's one of the tenets that we all are relying on, that it is an immutable ledger, no one can change it, and then let's go there and write some codes and automatically execute it. Then, uh, but um, the new blockchains, I mean, the Ethereum blockchains, not not the mother blockchain, uh, uh, the Ethereum blockchains and um, state blockchains, let's say, they're all having the state variables in the smart contracts. So we know that the logic is immutable, but there are still uh, variables that you can change. And based on these variables, we may have different functionalities. Let's say, for example, if there's a reward in a smart contract and then you are having a setter or getter, let's say setter function, which sets this reward uh, amount you can change this reward mm-hmm. uh, for the owner of the contract or anyone else, actually, it depends on the uh, strategy. But yeah, so they're still having some features of, you know, upgradability in the yep. smart contract itself. But yeah, when we are saying they're immutable, they're because the logic of the smart contracts is immutable. Even upgradable smart contracts or upgradable, let's say, uh, architecture is also having uh, is also immutable, so we can't okay. say it's 
they are changing. There's no change. No one is going to the blockchain and change the ledger. No one is able to do. Okay, so um, we spoke about the uh, so the when you say the other contracts, the contract is different from the uh, the blockchain, right? Yeah. So when you talk about the smart you know, upgradable contracts you're talking about uh, on EVM, on Ethereum, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, is this, was this like uh, available natively or is it something that, um, you know, was available recently or how did that come around? Uh, actually, this upgradability is kind of a technique that because natively we are we are having some delegate calls in the smart contracts then some genius guys you know <laughs> invented these ways of having privacy pattern and everything that we want to discuss today uh but yes so i can say that still they are immutable every smart contract even upgradable smart contracts on ethereum are immutable mm-hmm. but what are the uh, some of the uh, motives that uh, push people to this direction that let's have upgradable contracts? Let's talk about these things first. Uh, first of all is that we all know that, uh, you know, the uh, developers and everyone in this space in the IT sector, they, knows that, they know that we are always having post-deployment vulnerabilities, no matter how you um, how your expert developers design and de- uh, deploy these you know software any type of software we know that yes, it is very likely to have get bugs so this is first of all that mm. again in this space also we definitely encounter these bugs and the other issue was like because uh, like a distributed or autonomous organization with DAO or any other DApps, they're evolving during the time. So there are, uh, they're starting from a point, maybe a very simple point, and then they get yeah. involved uh, during the time with more complex interactions, with more rules, with more, you know, uh, different roles and different hierarchies, all of these things. And if we want to be a dynamic community, definitely we should embrace these changes and somehow introduce these changes into the smart contract, into the logic of our distributed application. Okay, so um, when we talk about the um, why, why did we come up or why did uh, the smart people come up with the upgradable contract? What is the what is the need for? It? Is it is it because um, you can only have a certain size, like in kilobytes. Is it because you can hold a certain number of functions? Is it because you save gas? Or what are the top, you know, I don't know how many, is it, are the top three or top five reasons why people introduced yeah. upgradable contracts? Yeah. So as I mentioned uh, before, there is some uh, motive from the upgradable, from the need for upgrading the logic of the smart contract and yep. also people were having the problem of you know the maximum size of smart contract 24.5 kilobytes of bytecode so any smart contract that should sit on a blockchain is like it should be encoded by bytecodes so there Got are it. some bytecodes that define that mm-hmm. all of these logics what are these functions how they should sort as uh, safe valuable how we can 
you know, access them, change them. All of these logics would be in a form of a bytecode that identifies, that shows how these smart contract would be functioning. And there is a, you know, limit of 24.5 kilobytes, which is uh, really, really, you know, restricting when it comes to big applications. So it was another motive that pushed people to this direction of, okay, if we want to have multiple or different, you know, uh, logics, then we need to upgrade them because we cannot introduce them at the first time developing mm. one smart contract into the blockchain. Yeah. All right. So why, you know, that we know smart contracts can call other smart contracts, right? In an ecosystem that's available, that option is available, why would you create these upgradable contracts when you can already can call, uh, you know, other smart contracts from a single smart contract? Right. Yeah. So actually, uh, the point is that when you're talking about normal calls between smart mm -hmm. contracts, it means that when when it's smart contract, so the smart contract can call a function from other contract, yeah. but the, the caller would be this smart contract. And all the information, the message sender, whoever calls this function is the other smart contract, not the people using this smart contract. So this is a normal call. They yeah. are making, for example, to do some calculation, to do some functions that they need, but it is not upgrading, you know, it's not going to be upgraded. So if the, the day one, uh, contract A calls contract B for function, mm -hmm. let's say one, always it's going to be like this. So there's no change or selection or kind of upgradability because these are just calling static calls, let's say, yeah, which is intrinsically defined by this, uh, the logic of the smart contracts. But um, as I mentioned, some pros of these upgradability, there are always cons. And still there are some people in the community that uh, they do not agree with the idea of upgradability. And there are some reasons for this one, for yeah. this uh, yeah. argument because, yeah. You yeah, I mean, like from your side, Charlie, you've been like sitting here very quietly and I know that you got so much, so many questions. Like, <laughs> yeah, <in> your... <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one, isn't um, it? Because you are a DeFi guy, right? You just want everything transparent and everything else and lock it in, lock it in, lock, it lock in, that in, baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And upgradable, it does pose, does pose a risk, but it does have advantages at the yeah. same time. Hmm. So uh, I guess the my understanding of the diamond contracts is you still you've got your front facing contract, which is like client base that I would interact with. And then you've got the proxy contract and you can never change the client side contract. You can only update the proxies. So with that being in the client side, you can only keep those same functions, Muhammad, and then adjust how they work in the back end, or you can add in new functions. How does that work exactly? Yep. Yeah, actually, uh, yes, uh, we will go through all of these things today. So we are having a bunch of information to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but before that one, let me a little talk about the native sides or the cons that, or let's say 
somehow vulnerabilities. So uh, first of all is that in a DAP or in a DAO or any kind of a you know web free application, uh, when you're having the upgradability feature, it means that you should trust, you should have some extent of trust to the developers and the, to the team. So the whole uh, um, target of you know decentralization was like we didn't want trust trusted systems. Yeah. We want to have actions with trustless parties around the world. But here, because we are adding the upgradability you know, feature, we should know that what exactly would be upgraded, who could upgrade it, when can be upgraded. So these things should be clarified. And uh, because it's very important because it may end up in a very centralized, you know, uh, dictatorship so in Web3. If you, for example, lock the, uh, some tokens or, I don't know, lock the, minting process or whatever you mm. anything uh, could be changed in the logic contract because it's upgradable and also it is highly challenging and a complex task you know it's not a straightforward kind of uh, development task that let's say even mid-level developers could do it in this space because it needs a uh, very, very, you know, it's a very complicated task because you are dealing with memories, you are dealing with different function selectors, and then if there's any problem there, then the whole system uh, would be ruined, you know? It would be a, a catastrophic moment for everyone. Yeah. And uh, one more thing is that in traditional, let's say, normal smart contracts, if you're having a problem, let's say, in one function, that's only one functionality that could be faulty, okay? It may have side effects on other functions. It may not. So you may have a situation that one function is faulty, but still the rest of the functions are working perfectly fine yeah. and they can survive. But in an upgradable contract, if some part for any reason mm. faulty and could not properly function, then people can get into it and there are lots of security holes there and then changing the logic and then, oh man, I cannot even imagine it what would happen because attacker comes in and then change the logics and then own the tokens and everything could be, you know. Uh, but can they change it though? But can they change it because they should not have access to uh, change the contract, right? Unless they change the values, uh, but... Uh, they cannot change the values because state variables are there on the yeah. uh, on the contract. But definitely, they will change the logic from now on. So from now on, if let's say one million token are are minted, from now on, only me as an attacker, I'm I'm minting the tokens, and I'm the owner of the whole of these things because I do have the control over minting process and of a rewarding process everything actually yeah so, so are you saying okay so are you saying that if you are a hacker that who deployed this contract that you can change um change the contract uh, because it might look right but then down the line you could change it are you saying that or are you saying that say for example we deploy a uh, proc you know the uh, one of the uh, upgradable contracts and then 
some attacker could come and upgrade it. You're not saying that, are you? Uh, so, yeah, both of them, actually. So okay. if you're with proper developers, it may end up in a centralization problem because they are the developers themselves and the team themselves are the attackers, real attackers. That this is the trust part that I discussed first. And the second one is that if the, the operatable smart contract is not, you know, developed with cautious and very well optimized one, mm. then there be there are lots and lots of you know security holes that attackers can use and get into the smart contract. And yeah. when they get into it, they can change the logic of the uh, uh, smart contract and then everything would be on their control. So this is the part. Uh, that okay. is really, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I thought that you uh, only the, um, the creators could uh, change the smart contract, not an, a third party. Well, that's... Well, it depends. A hacker can compromise a wallet, but they ah yes, and then from there they come. Yes, can handle it. Yeah, and then also, what was it? Safe Moon Mm -hmm. a few months ago, like maybe six months. Uh, Long time time when you haven't. Oh, more than six years. What one year Um, ago? I think was it one year ago? More than yeah. Yeah, no, 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 six. I'm sure it's six eight months where they um they upgraded their contract and. Uh, it allowed their liquidity pool to get siphoned. Oh, so that was upgradable contract they rather than a new. And then someone realized because I believe Muhammad, a question is, uh, I, I was reading this a while ago. I can't remember the name of it, mm. but Etherscan doesn't yet support upgradable contracts. No, they do. But I think there's, but now you can a, see that they proxy. do have it now. Yeah. They do have the proxy contracts. Yeah, you can see. But the there was another contract. one out there, another explorer that did mm-hmm. support that in the early days. Oh, okay, so it's um, been a while since I've been into the um, upgradable contracts when yeah. they first came out because I remember Avagotchi was like one of the first people to start using it. Okay, for their little their little yeah. Um, NFT. Yeah. Things where you throw your your die tokens mm-hmm. and you get upgradables okay. on there, and yeah, there was an interview with him about yes. saying the diamond bet each each look if they called it a diamond because each function is like a sh- like a cut of a diamond, yeah. and then you piece it all together and okay, so that that actually I was going to ask a question actually, you know, because earlier you mentioned diamond contract. And we call it, we're talking about upgradable contracts. So I'm like, okay, why would you call it a diamond contract? What is the reason? You know, uh, uh, would you be able to answer that, Mohammed? Or? Yeah, yeah, but I think there's still are some other patterns we need to talk about. Oh my god! Yeah, look yeah, like yeah, look yeah, like yeah. Mohammed got all that planned out. Not like us. Yeah, yeah. We are like no, we are shooting from the hip. Like bam, 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 bam. Oh, like. You're no, gonna, no, no, no. You're going to learn how to, how to load the gun first, Cozy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let's go. Yeah, so I wanted to start with yeeting, you know. Some like, okay, <laughs> our smart contract number A is this one, then community, everyone, migrate to contract B. This is one way of upgrading, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, everyone, please, please come to contract B, and then it's also one way of reading a contract. And also, as I said, the state variables themselves, in to some extent, we can say that they can uh, control the logic. Yeah. But yeah, 
you're right, Charlie. They're, they're things that the smart contracts that now we uh, know them as upgradable smart contracts are uh, proxy are according to the proxy pattern. So what is this proxy pattern? Um, smart contracts are still immutable, so no one can change them, as I said before. But DAP can be designed to have one or more smart contracts at the backend side. So you're having a one proxy contract as an interface, and then you're having a bunch of you know, different smart contracts as a logic contract. Then upgrading a system or upgrading a smart contract, let's say upgrading a DAP, means we swap out one of these logic contracts for another. So it's like, okay, till now I was like, the logic contracts was contract A sitting at this address. From now on, we would use contract B mm -hmm. as operating version sitting at another address. It's a separated one. And then contract A would be, will still remain on the chain, but it's abandoned because no one would call it from yeah, yeah the proxy contract. And then uh, this is a process. So this, but for the end users, it's like they're having only uh, interaction with the proxy contract. So they just call the proxy contract at the same address. Everything is the same. Seamlessly, we change the logic of the contract. And this is the only technical reason that we can do is the delegate call in, uh, you know, Ethereum-based uh, smart contracts that we can okay. use. All right. So does it mean that um, you can, uh, when you're building your upgradable contract, can you um, communicate between like Ethereum and Optimism or Ethereum and, you know, uh, like a layer two contract so, or do you have to be everything in the same ecosystem? Uh, what we mean by upgradable contracts, uh, we, we mean in the same blockchain, in the same ecosystem. Okay. Because the things you are talking is interoperability. So it's yeah. something bridging between two uh, layers of the same uh, uh, blockchain system or different blockchains. So it's a separate okay. concept. But upgradability takes place in the same blockchain. Got it. So having All right. your upgrade your logic from logic A to logic B. And uh, yeah, so these delegate calls, I want to talk about them because these delegate calls are the key technical uh, point in this upgradability. When you're calling, uh, uh, when I'm talking about delegate call, delegate call takes place on the proxy contract. So there's an interface contract like or proxy contract. Users are calling the functions in this one. And then these proxy contracts use delegate call to call another contract but this is different to uh, in a normal calls. This is like they are executing the logic of that target contract in the context mm -hmm. of proxy contract. So that's why we call them delegate call. It's like Makes they sense. are having their state variables there, but the logic is driven by the logic contract, by the other contract. Mm -hmm. And this is the key point for all of these proxy because we are having different, different, you know, development, different development and standards for this proxy pattern. But this is the key: delegate calls. Okay.
Cool. So um, when you're developing um, your proxy uh, contracts, and say, for example, you create like, I don't know, ABC, right? Just um, and proxy contracts. So then when you say ABC contracts, does all three of them becomes proxy contract? Or as Charlie mentioned, does uh, B and C are the proxy contracts where A is the one that the interface, which stays constant? Uh, in a very simple case, we are only having one interface, one proxy contract, and there are some logic contracts. So we are having A contracts as a proxy contracts, which route all of the calls to different logic contracts, B, mm -hmm. C, or whatever other contract, other logic yeah. contract. So normally this is like this, but on top of this proxy contract, also we can have different contracts. So we can have other interface contracts or different types of them. Yes. But let's simple with only one proxy contract and different Got it. versions of logic contract. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Any question? <laughs> What, how does the how does the gas behave like like um, splitting those that from that one interface contract into five um, proxy contracts behind it do you do you end up saving on gas through that process by breaking it down smaller and also I guess with that you'd be able to deliver more advanced bigger contracts because you're breaking it down under that limit size as well is that correct um uh, yeah it's correct um, about diamond contract yeah we can say because diamonds are getting different functions from different smart contracts but other patterns like transparent proxy pattern or uups universal upgradable proxy uh, these things are using only one smart contract as a logic contract so we're saying that okay logic for, for example in transparent proxy contract we're having like this we're having a one proxy contract and then inside this proxy contract there is some admin functions which says that okay we now set the address of the logic contract but this logic contract is only one contract okay so you are saying contract a is our logic contract for these part of stuff. So for example, so for some functionalities, you know that definitely only the whole, you know, A part would be executed. So then all the calls only would be routed to this one. And then through the callback functions, we get the results. And then in the transparent proxy, we are having some admins who are coming here using the native functions of this proxy contract to set the logic contract. Mm -hmm. What normal is always interacting with logic contracts. And it it has some uh, you know problems. It may cause some problems because uh, we are having some you know function selectors in each smart contract in normal contract also when you are when you are sending a transaction to a blockchain first you are sending the address of the contract and then you want to interact with and then the signature the function signature or the function selector which is a full byte uh, 
is a hash of you know the name of the function and the inputs outputs the signature of the function in one mm -hmm. smart contract evm guarantees that there is no clash between these function selectors code you know these four bytes but in yeah. different contracts there may be a clash so because different contracts are sitting on different addresses and this in this transpattern proxy pattern you may end mm -hmm. up clashing between native functions of the proxy contract and the functions in logic contract. So, and it, it ends up with a random, you know, output because the proxy contract doesn't know whether it should go to the yep. native function contract or it should go to the uh, logic smart contract and call that function there, which we call the function selector clash. This is the problem yes. we are in the transparent uh, proxy pattern, it it has been somehow resolved uh, by, for example, if you're using OpenZeppelin's one, they're having a different administrative contract, yep. which is separate from proxy contract, and then which is taking care of the smart con uh, the logic contract address, and then there is no clash between them because admins only contact with the admin administrator. Uh, smart contract users only going through proxy contract. So makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so can you in a in a uh, proxy contract? Can you? So you just mentioned. I was going to ask a question, but I think you you know um, went there a little bit. So I'm, I'll make I'll ask a question anyway, so that we can you know sort of dive into that side. So in a, a proxy contract, can you make it so that some contracts can be executed like it's role based? Um, some smart, you know, some proxy contract can be some roles and other contracts can be other roles. Can can that be configured into the uh, proxy contracts as well? So like role-based proxy contracts? Yes, definitely you can have role-based con uh, proxy contracts. For example, in this transparent proxy, uh, when you are contacting the uh, interface or proxy contract based on the address you're having, it makes a decision whether you are an admin or mm -hmm. normal. If you're a normal user, you would be routed to the logic contract. If you're an yeah. admin, you can have access to the native functions of that, you know, proxy contract. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's normal users won't have uh, access to these special uh, to these native functions of proxy contract. Okay. All the accounts would be routed to the logic contract. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, where I see, uh, I don't know, I've kind of, when I look at proxy contracts, for me, it's, a, it's a, you know, a little bit above the uh, database, uh, going through a database because it's like, you know what, it's somewhat uh, decentralized, somewhat uh, blockchain-ish. But when I look at the Web3, like pure blockchain, it's not there. It's not uh, the purest version of it. It's almost like centralized, but half, you know, not, I don't even know the half or whatever, but it's a percentage decentralized, another percentage centralized, right? So, yeah, you want to say something? Yeah, it's like centralized on a decentralized network. Yeah, centralized it's, in a decentralized it can, it can network. Be, it can, it's more... I look at it more of a it's commercial base, like commercial, a, yeah, like a business, a Web two business coming yep. into Web three, 
maybe there's reasons they want to change things in the mm-hmm. future, cut down rewards. Maybe mm. they've publicised that. Yeah, that's what that's what mm. they would go with. But yep. in saying that, off off topic for a little bit yep. is um, PayPal <laughs> use like. Um, version zero point four solidity contract. What for their stablecoin? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it's like they copied an old Tether contract from back in the day and put PY. Unless they've been working <laughs> on for that long. On there, but yeah, you not to digress <laughs> so much. We can get into that later. But I just found that. Was yeah, we should like, see if they can do a bit of a um, security audit on that. Hey, let's do it. Let's do a security audit on the PayPal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Why not? I wonder if it's acceptable to re-entrance yeah. Mohammed. <laughs> That's it. Hey. But um, you know, when you when you you know, again, like you know, just talking about in this subject. So when you're doing that uh we're launching that, deploying that contract, wouldn't you get notified saying, okay, the version is too old or I mean the SDKs nowadays they do prompt, right? Saying that this is an old version or you know. Don't they? Unless the developers like, oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh man, oops, too late. I said yes to everything. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I yes. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, um, about the yeah. So you know, with this uh, centralized and decentralized, right? It's like half and as you said. This could work in the enterprise level because it could be, yeah. say, for a well, you put trust in Nike. Yeah, like a membership. They're going to deliver your shoes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like it could be to a point like where the trusted party still got access, somewhat access to some a game. Yeah, it needs to update certain things mm. for certain reasons. It makes sense in the game. Mm. So that can be like so. If you think about the assets and a marketplace contract, so we can say like the marketplace contract can be the the proxy contract where the NFT can be the seven to one example. Uh, yes, but I still prefer to have a separate proxy contract and then separate facet, uh, as I yeah. will explain it for the market contract as well, because you may need to change the logic of your marketplace contract as well. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. But regarding the centralization issue, you raise is mm-hmm. there are some countermeasures you can take. So in terms of when and who and what uh, could be upgraded, actually, there are different countermeasures. Some popular ways is like having multi-sync contracts instead of only one admin and one. So which needs that several accounts to agree on some upgrade or uh, upgradability and then only you can uh, you know deploy the upgradability or migrate to a new version or the the other one would be time locks so which allows users to leave the platform before the execution time so whenever you decide to migrate from logic a to logic b you should set some variable on the smart contract. You should announce it on the smart contract. And then all the users are having like 48 hours or so, I don't know, whatever time you've agreed upon, to leave the platform or to exchange their tokens. So there could be different strategies to minimize these centralizations, you know, threats in upgradable, uh, let's say, architecture. Or even voting. Them. You can have a voting system to say that, okay, even if it needs any upgradability, needs a certain percentage of users 
to agree on it, to vote for it, and then only we would go and uh, upgrade the uh, logic. So this is when and who problem, actually, and also what. It is, so the community could be discussed and then people can vote for it, that what mm. should change, when should change. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for example, now, and I, you know, how I, I, I see, how I understand uh, proxy contract or upgradable contract is like this. So now if I go and um, sign uh, my wallet to a smart contract to interact with a smart contract, as we do now, if anyone you know, the next version of that smart con- of that platform comes, you know, they release, I had to sign with the new smart contract and unsign or disconnect from the previous smart contract, right? Because if they found a some sort of a security issue with the previous uh, smart contract, I had to unhook from that one and then sign with the new smart contract, right? In a proxy contract, I, I don't have to sign anything. Right, because it get upgraded behind the scene, isn't it? So that's a so that's a benefit for the end user, so that they don't have to resign. They sign once okay. and they move forward, and it allows the developers to upgrade and fix the security issues. If in-house found a bug-free bug bounty, they can quickly, quietly go update. Update that. Them hand to yes. Yeah, before <laughs> you know they get drained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, having to tell the whole community, hey, those tokens now you've got to you got to bridge over. You got to bridge over the new. Drop you these new ones, and you're going to have to reconnect. Yes. And the whole hassle. Yeah, of, uh, and that's that's the biggest benefit in that stuff. And then same time, um, you had a balance bit of a balance act with the community's trust factor because even though it's a trustless system, I would say community is still trusting. Um, the smart contract really that that's what they're trusting isn't it you know trustless system so um, and that's what it is so alrighty so um, with the um, with the um, now proxy contracts or the diamond contracts why are they why you call it diamond contracts is it because like most of them um, are based on diamond contract pattern and not on the is it UUIPS or something I think or UFO is it called UFO? <laughs> no, it, 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 aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. UUPS also another type of uh, architecture for proxy pattern. Uh, actually, the Universal Upgradable Proxy EIP eighteen twenty two, I think. It is uh, so. It's also uh, somehow the same to the pattern this proxy pattern you know hmm. you're having interface proxy smart contract and we're having a logic contract it's still one logic contract is there but the point is that we don't have a clash problem here in uups why because to upgrade the smart contract to up, to upgrade the logic of the whole architecture you don't need to go to the proxy contract and set it the admin mm-hmm. should go to current logic contract and then from there this current logic contract actually inherited from proxyable contracts it means that it would be ex- extends some functions of a proxyable contracts yeah so there are some admin functions available on logic contracts 
You go to current logic contract as an admin, definitely there should be access control there. And uh, then you change from the current logic contract, you change mm -hmm. the address of the next logic contract. And this way, there is no you know, chance of clash because EVM yep. by default prevents you uh, deploying a contract which has, uh, which there is a, a function signature clash between these functions. Yes. So for one specific contract, definitely it is guaranteed after deployment that there is no clash between the uh, uh, function selectors. So function mm -hmm. signatures are unique for this one smart contract. And because the upgradability uh, functions and normal functions, I mean, user functions, normal logic yeah. functions are at the same contract are deployed with the same contract. There's no chance of clashing between, between them. But there is another problem there that uh, it could be viewed as a problem or as a benefit event. It is like, so if you set a new smart contract, which is not proxyable, you know, uh, then it would be immutable. So on logic A, uh, on smart contract logic A, we are yeah. having it deployed. The first time deployed and says that, okay, admin can come here, change the logic to any other, change the address of the logic contract. If you change it to contract B and then contract B is not upgradable, then everything yeah. would be locked to contract B. So there is, this is a, important point there from some point is native because you may end up locking in some specific case that would be you know in favor of admins or i don't know maybe by fault you go to and lock the system yeah. in the logic and but it also could be used as a benefit when we can say that okay after a uh, specific period of time we would make so we are having some initial phase on yep. logic a blah 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 then after that time we would be immutable and that's yes. guaranteed okay so but yep. we you can't have this feature on transparent proxy you know when you're setting the logic contract on the proxy smart contract you cannot yep. have this locking okay um, feature yep Cool. All righty. So when we talk about uh, proxies, what is the, what is one of the latest, what are the, you know, changes, you know, happen? Is it like the processor, you know, obviously, you know, we spoke about how the NFTs moved, right? Um, from different uh, ERCs and then next to the next to the next, right? What is that journey for proxy contracts? Was there a, yeah. maybe a, a few different standards or is it something that we call proxy contract, like, you know, for the final one or what does that look like? And what is, where are we going next? Yeah. Uh, so there, there are different, you know, minor proposals there with different, you know, uh, development or standards based on proxy contracts. Mm -hmm. But in general, we can say that we've seen a journey started from transparent proxy contracts, which uses a proxy contract to uh, control the address of the logic contract and coming to UUPS, which uses a logic contract to uh, change the, to upgrade the logic contract. And then 
at the end, the uh, latest one would be diamond because diamond is completely different compared to these two, more complex and different. Yeah. And this is uh, so most of in most of the cases, if it's a simple task, we don't want to get involved with the diamond one. So if it's Got a it. simple contract for a simple, straightforward business, we don't want to have these, you know, diamonds because I'll, I'll go through these diamonds for a couple of minutes that why they are more complex compared to these uh, yep. transparent and UUPS. So uh, even Open Zeppelins and other uh, companies are providing some, you know, standards for UUPS and libraries that you can use these packages that you can you can make sure that there's no security problems in them and then import these things, make your smart contract upgradable and go uh, on chain. So these are the things that most of the uh, you know businesses would take when they want to be upgradable because this is a simple one contract, you know, one logic contract there, then there's no need to make it complex. But yeah. when when you want the whole ecosystem to be dynamic and to be evolving, like what when you're dealing with an NFT marketplace, you may have different types of tokens. You you want to need introduce uh, you you may need to introduce you know upgraded tokens. Yeah, with upgraded logics for your NFTs or upgraded logic for your marketplace contract, all of these things could be changed. And, and mm. it's a huge interaction between these, you know, you may have renting contracts, you want your uh, uh, renting uh, actually standard also to be added there or removed. So this is a, uh, you know, heterogeneous kind of uh, architecture in the DAP. So you're dealing with different types of logics. Diamond actually is based on a uh, this idea of facets. So uh, um, it's like this. So you're having a diamond contract as your proxy contract and the main contract. And you can have state variables of this contract set somewhere else, actually, and make it safe. There is no problem with them. Mm -hmm. Then you would have different for each single function, you can have a separate facet. And that's what they call a facet because it's like a facet of a diamond. Yeah. You can cut it and make a new facet. So these facets are the keys in, in the diamond protocol. They are separate, independent, uh, standalone contracts. So when you want to use these facets, you should go there and deploy them and they're having their addresses and everything. Then after that, you can use these uh, smart contracts partially in your system. Mm -hmm. Like you are having a cut diamond the smart contract. Exactly. It's like the diamond industry, traditional diamond <laughs> creation. But yeah, if you want to add a new, if you want to add a new feature, to your diamond contract, you should first cut it. And the cut diamond contract is introducing, adding or removing or replacing different facets into yep. your diamond contract. And it gives you this huge opportunity that you're not binded to one logic contract. 
you can have as many uh, number of the uh, as many as you want the facets. Mm -hmm. so, so theoretically unlimited. Okay. I mean, that, you know, that creates like, uh, for example, I think that's going to create a nightmare when it comes to uh, nightmare, not nightmare, but maybe uh, the job a little bit more bigger for the smart contract audits team, right? Exactly. Yes. And I was going to say, you web two developers think it's hard taking someone's code after three years coming to start, you know, the members yeah. of jumping into someone's yes, code yes. that was built 20 years ago. Imagine jumping into a diamond contract trying to fix that. I mean, that's like it, right? Years in the future. That's just crazy. Like, you know, um, <laughs> and I think when, when it comes to coding, I always say it's right. Um, when you're, um, you know, when you're writing the code, there's um, two people knows about the code, right? That's you, who's a coder, and, and God, right? <laughs> Once you finish coding, after one week, only one person know the code, and that's God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know that's that's what it is. Like, you know, when you look back the code, and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that piece of code. You know, now you're just calling um, Muhammad God because I know he knows the code a week later. Ah, uh, maybe two months. Maybe two months later. Uh, okay, two months. Right, let's do two months. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, interesting. Yes. The smart contract auditing. Yeah. So how how do you how do you tackle that when it comes to uh, auditing smart contracts on a proxy? Obviously, it's like, I mean, like it's like doing security audit, like pen testing on any you know on any code, right? Any piece of code. But does it differ, uh, you know, when it comes to proxy contracts? Yeah, actually, it is uh, harder, really harder when it comes to diamond code. It, for transparent ones and UPS ones, still you are dealing with one logic contract, which yeah. makes it easier for you. You just need to, uh, you know, be checking the, how delegate calls are working or uh, are functioning, and we may end up in calling and you know uh, endless calls to the logic contract or these kind of stuff. But when it comes to the facets, they are also sharing. Their variables, they are sharing memories, and there, there could be you know a huge amount of you know security holes there. So it needs a proper auditing because you may use part of a function, or you may use one part of a smart contract as a facet in your diamond, and then part of another smart contract a second facet in your diamond and then you're having a you know a storage contract which could be uh, which should be actually controlled by these two logics and they're having their own you know logics and problems each of these facets so because and 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 it's a dynamic process so whenever you yes. want to introduce a facet you should again check all the current facets and make sure that it meets the requirements, the security requirements, and then mm. you can add it. Or, or sometimes you need to remove a specific facet definitely before adding this new one. So it's a dynamic process. Whenever you want yeah. to upgrade, it, definitely a new kind of auditing is needed, uh, especially yeah. on diamond contracts. On yeah. other patterns, you can have one, you know, one shot of, you know. Uh, auditing, uh, but this one is 
really, really it's a bit cumbersome, right? Because I, I remember yeah. when we did the a uh, couple of those smart contract audits in the like the proxy proxy small diamond contracts, and it is it's a little bit more involved than the rest of the um, other contracts uh, because of the complexities, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. how they how they interact. So, uh, alrighty. So I guess we are getting closer. Um, to the end of the podcast. Um, before we end, um, did we miss out anything from your list that you really, really, really want to talk to um, us about, Mohammed? I'm pretty sure that he got about ten different things, right? He's like, oh, God, just talking about stuff. Right? You didn't, you didn't let me talk about. I didn't even you get to the meat. Yet. The meat yet? You know what I mean? And that, that's what happened last time as well. Remember, he's like, Mohammed's like, oh, guys, I didn't get enough time. You know. So actually, we can have series of you know episodes regarding operability because we just touched the surface in general. Okay, in in you know general terms, what are different types of uh, uh, proxy pattern development and standards? And we we speak we've spoken briefly about each of them. But one important thing about a diamond that I want to mention is that. This is the, so you're dealing with loop diamond, cut diamond, and the diamond contract and the facets. So whenever you need to add a fat, it gives you modularity because any function, any part of your smart contract you want to fix, you can have a separate facet and then use that facet. How this works is like this. We are having some sort of mapping, or let's say a struct, any blockchain developer, is watching us. So, which says that selector to facets. So, it says if you want to do this functionality, byte four of this, which uh, ID of this function, go to this address. If you do this one, go to this address. And this is the cut diamond contract, which controls these things. Okay. So, functionality number one was controlling, was uh actually the the functionality number one is by logic a and then you go to the diamond con- uh, cut diamond contract and say that now this functionality should go to this address so each single functionality of your the whole ecosystem could go to different addresses and we mm-hmm. save these so this is a kind of a this is a the the difference between diamond and the others. Okay. What uh, uh, and the final point from my side is that a problem the, is your problem or feature problem. <laughs> the the, the opportunity. Problem, opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, problems are always. <laughs> yeah. there are two different, you know, sides when it comes to the operator. First, the uh, the team that they are going to uh, use these operatable contracts in their dApps. First of all, you should take care with, uh, you should take care of it. It is not a normal, uh, simple job to do. It needs experienced developers with enough knowledge and then uh, enough, you know, auditing process definitely before going to the market, especially when you're dealing with diamond contracts for any reason you decide to go for diamond there are different developments for diamond 
in terms of gas consumption are they are different and then there are different you know features there but you uh, you should take it with care this one it is it is it is very complex job compared to the other stuff on blockchain and for the users uh i should say that any kind of dap you want to join or you you want to put your money in definitely you should uh have a blockchain you know a discussion with blockchain consultant or any anyone or if you have the knowledge go through check the smart contracts that's a general you know advice but when it comes to upgradable contracts this is also and um, there are other factors you should consider as well so how trusted these people are how their team how, how do you know them and this is not like because if there's no governance content measures there it may end up in centralization if there's any technical problem there it may end up you know blowing up the whole system not like a simple smart contract so definitely you need to uh discuss with blockchain consultants and, and, and having some sort of discussion thinking before joining these and having trust on the team especially <laughs> uh before joining a dap which is going to use operatable smart contracts yeah okay cool all right awesome um my brain is like fried uh i'm i'm still i'm still stuck in the ufo <laughs> aliens um but i know that you know uh muhammad and nathan had an awesome time i can see nathan behind the scene like nathan like oh my god this is like he is like hooked to the you know uh, to the screen right <laughs> nathan like okay i think i got this he's like diamonds yeah diamonds diamonds yeah awesome. yeah exactly he's thinking of his next diamond earring you know <laughs> mr bling um muhammad thank you so much um for that you know for that you know for your insight yeah. i think we can you know i know that you can not we i think you can definitely talk a lot more for weeks to come on this subject uh, but unfortunately we just only got one hour <laughs> <laughs> um but i think definitely we'll uh, catch up a little bit more about uh, other uh, contract standards as well more specific standards and um yeah. discuss about how we can add those benefits and you know what are the pros and the cons on those ones as well so On that note, guys, uh, what about you, Charlie? You got anything to say, like no, before we? No, it was awesome. Awesome yeah. to have Muhammad back on and uh, going through some contracts. And yeah, I hope everyone learned learned some valuable um, knowledge today. Hundred percent, exactly. On that note, guys, thank you everyone for joining us and have an awesome weekend. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. See you there, guys. Thank you, Muhammad. See you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.